You're listening to a message from Pastor Kenny Garrett recorded at a live service at the General Baptist Church God's House of Prayer located in Fairborn, Ohio. Open your Bibles to the book of Philippians, chapter 1. Stand with me when you get there. Philippians chapter 1. We'll be there in verse 3. The Bible says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Will you bow your heads with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day that you've given us, for the time you've given us to assemble. I pray that you anoint me to preach the message you've given, anoint ears to hear, hearts to understand. Draw us each closer to one another as you draw us closer to yourself. We will never fail to give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So Sunday morning here on Vine Street, the people of God, and we're all here together again. This morning, we'll talk more about evangelism. I know that is your favorite subject. It is everybody's most exciting uh, part of biblical studies, but uh, the reality is it is, should be and will be a large portion of what we do as Christians, what we do as believers, the people of God gathered together and living in the world, but not of the world, focused on what people can become and not what they are. Constantly looking for uh, people that we know that are in our community and in our families to become new creatures, new creations in Christ, renewed, restored, born again through the transforming power of God. That's our end goal of what it is we do. So as Paul puts it in this letter to the church in Philippi, if you look there in verse 5, he's talking about their fellowship in the gospel. And that's the main thrust of uh, what it is we're going to look at today. Uh, Paul, very specific wording, not just their fellowship, but their fellowship in the gospel. He's talking about the work that they're doing together as the church alongside him. They're all pulling towards one goal, and that is to see new people in Christ, transformed, renewed, restored, born again. So this morning I ask you, do you understand what we're doing, what our end goal is, where we want to be and where we expend our efforts? Where is it that we are going, and where is it that you are going? Do you know where you fit in with our work here in the church? There are a lot of gaps, and that's part of life. Uh, many of us that are assembled in this room grew up in this church, a church is much like it. 
and we remember when more people were here or we think the times were better or what have you. But the reality is that uh, there were a lot of people that came before us that were keepers of the gospel here on Vine Street. And we thank them. We thank God for them and praise the Lord for his work then. But our job is not to sit in our pew and lean back and talk about when the times were good and when the work was done by these saints that have done gone on. The gap is now there, and it is for us to fill. You and I gathered together today are the keepers of God's word here on Vine Street in our community and in our family, and we have a work to do individually and together. Over and over through Scripture, God points us back to his church all through the Bible, especially in the New Testament. Everything points back um, to church. Evangelism, discipleship, baptism, the Lord's Supper, on and on and on, all lead the individual believer to Christ's church. So our work is not separate. Our work is a togetherness. God has blessed us with the church. You and I should be here pulling and laboring in the same direction, towards the same goal. If you look in, in your Bibles, in the book of Acts, in the second chapter, verse 46, now this is describing, when, when I first started preaching, uh, we would talk about how church used to be, and, and I grew up in the church uh, down in Dayton, so I knew what they were talking about, and, and it was growing up in the 80s, and that church was wonderful. I wouldn't trade it for nothing in the world. I got a wonderful education, and I knew wonderful people of God that loved me, and I loved them. Um, and we reminisce, and we talk about those days. And as I got to read more, and as I understood more, and as my mind was renewed, I started talking about turning, uh, going back to the way the church used to be. And when I first started talking about that, everybody was excited because they thought of the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. We can't turn back time, and that's really not what I'm talking about. I was talking about going back to Acts and taking a look what happened when the church got started, when the church was born, um, going back several hundreds of years. Uh, we'll look at that here in chapter 2 in the book of Acts. In verse 46, it says, And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread, from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Now does that description of the early church sound like us? Is that what we're doing? You may say, no, not exactly. I say not yet. We've got places to go and work to do. If you look in verse 46, continuing daily with one accord in the temple. So they met for church. That's how that translates into our culture, how it applies to us today as modern Christians. Breaking bread from house to house. They knew one another. They spent time with one another. Uh, they did life together. Eating has to happen. Uh, and they're doing this together in the early church. Did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. There was unity and love through Christ that's made possible by the gospel amongst them. They were pulling 
in the same direction, working together. They were praising God. Their focus is where it should be, not on a religion or a tradition, but on the creator of all things that died on a cross for you and for I, that we might have this love and this unity and life and life more abundantly and dwell eternally with him in heaven. And having favor with all the people, their reputation was good. Nobody was talking about that church or those people in a negative way. When they showed up, people were glad to see them. And we're working on that. We're working on that. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. It wasn't done through entertainment or catchy programs or a cult of personality or anything like that. It was done through the power of God. So as we assemble together, we must understand that we technically and in reality cannot affect the attendance of our church or the size of our community, that God does it through his power. You and I are required to be the healthiest church we can be and the healthiest Christians we can be. So we're discipling and evangelizing and baptizing and preaching the gospel. And we're doing the work that was, is charged to us. And then we sit back and we can stand on judgment day and say, we did what you called us to do. Amen. And the Lord will work on salvation. Amen. That's his department, not ours. Another part where we get confused in that conviction is the work of the Holy Spirit, not you. Right? Those are two things we leave up to God. Now, if you go back and look at this, continuing daily in the temple, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, That, that wording, continuing daily, uh, really is talking about a community involved in a service, not uh, first century Christians attending a worship show. So they were in one accord in the temple uh, with one goal, one spirit, if you will, um, attached together as the people of God there. It was not a passive worship experience, which is what uh, the modern church has skewed itself to, where we make it very easy for you to come and sit and then get up and go. Now, I don't mean everybody should be doing everything. Don't take it that way. But you should feel and should be a part of the people here. That these people know you and they love you. That you're here in one accord, in a unity through Christ that makes that possible. And a great love is displayed through Christ amongst us. That you're part of something. The idea of entertainment and passive worship uh, then the service takes precedent and it becomes the last stand for a lot of churches. This morning and, for, and all across Fairborn, there are churches that are assembled for Sunday morning only. 
They're, they're just down to that now. That's not the end of all things, but they've got a lot of work to do. They lost sight of the fact that the service is only a fraction of who we are. Now that might be foreign and difficult to say, but the service, while be it important, the singing of hymns and the preaching of God's word, important, but it's only a fraction of what it is that we do as the people of God. If you think about what we're trying to accomplish in the nursing home is, is a fantastic way to kind of see it at arm's length. We go in once a month and have a service inside a nursing home, and that's important. People, uh, Christians, need to gather together and worship together and sing hymns and pray and hear the Word of God, but we're not done there. We have to go back and and get to know these people, uh, spend what time we can without being intrusive, to get to know them and allow them to be a part of us, even though they're at a different location than our church. And in the same way, we should be doing the same thing here. For the service is important, and you're gathered for that, for the singing of hymns and praying uh, and the preaching, bearing one another's burdens, it's all part of this. But it's not just something you can come to and leave. The church is something you're a part of. Once we focus, um, I don't want to say it like that. Once we get to the place where we are mirroring what's described in verse 46 and verse 47, then you and I belong to a healthy church. And we're healthy spiritually. What happens next is up to God. I don't want you to think it's a, if we do, then he will type relationship because the scripture doesn't say that. It just describes what's happening. So you and I have a responsibility to make the church as healthy as it can be. And then we let God decide what he's going to do after that. If he sends more souls to us, praise the Lord. I'm reminded of what um, Spurgeon recounted from another minister in London. A new preacher was, had come to him and he was kind of a mentor situation. I don't know the names involved, but he was downtrodden that his, he was assigned a church that only had 40 members. And his friends and people he went, guys he'd went to seminary with were assigned much larger churches. And the, the minister told him, uh, on judgment day, you will certainly be thankful and believe that 40 was enough. Right? So as, as much as we desire and want to see people come to know Christ, sometimes I sit back and think 25 is more than enough, right, for me. Like, I don't know what we'll do then, but, but I can trust that the Lord has a plan and that the Lord uh, will be in control and will bless us uh, and everything will be done on His time and according to His will. Amen?